Welcome to this week's edition of the Sportsaholic Podcast. As always, I'm Max Zucker, and on, along for the ride is Mr. Sean Conway. Sorry, folks, last week we did not get to do the podcast. Uh, I had a, a little bit of work-related stuff to do. My uncle is a, a construction guy and hired me to do a fence job, and, you know, during COVID could use a little extra cash. Never, never hurts, at least, so I got to do that, and Sean was lucky enough to go to the Ozarks, and he'll uh, explain that here in just a minute. But happy uh, belated 4th of July to everyone. America turned another year older here just this past weekend. I didn't do too much, Sean, for the actual 4th of July itself. I celebrated on the 3rd, which is one of my uh, best friend's birthdays. We had a couple beers. We got these Nashville hot style chicken sandwiches and i got of course you know me i'm the heat king i love it i got the little insanity so that had ghost peppers scorpion uh, tails and uh, a pinch of carolina reaper too it was one of the hottest damn chicken sandwiches i've ever eaten so yeah i definitely had to wash those down with again a couple cold beers as it was a, a buddy of my birthday we had a nice time for her birthday and we hung out again it was a good time getting the sandwiches watch some fireworks so i did my fourth of july again celebration the night before didn't do too much on the fourth or yesterday the fifth just kind of took it easy watch some netflix you know you know how it is how's the ozarks more importantly sir so I went into this trip not really like I wasn't saying low expectations, but I would was not expecting the scenery and the the just the great outdoors really that Arkansas had to offer. Uh, Lindsay and I met up with her mom at an Airbnb cabin nice. in Dogpatch, Arkansas, which is close to like Harrison. It's northern part of Arkansas, and let me tell you the the Ozark Mountains. I mean, equally rival. The Smoky Mountains on their size and the the um, awestruck, you know, feeling that you get when you look out, at, you know, at the you know the rolling mountains and, and hills and everything. So that was really cool. We got to the cabin Friday afternoon after we we actually did a quick hike Friday. Um, at, saw these these bluffs look overlooking the uh, the Kings River in Arkansas. Then we went to our cabin. I made a really kick ass. Fourth of July uh, dinner on the third though it wasn't uh, wasn't on the on the fourth the fourth we were hiking all day so I just threw a, a frozen Lumanati's deep dish into the <laughs> oven but on Friday I made bison steaks bacon wrapped uh, asparagus and corn on the cob and Solid. not only we had bison steaks the bison steaks were marinated in a bourbon it wasn't just a bourbon it was none other none other I should say than John Wayne's bourbon. The, it was nice. Duke bourbon Duke. is what it was called. <laughs> so I, I don't think you can get more American than that than marinating a bison steak in, in bourbon. And it was among other things in the mix. It wasn't just bourbon, but it was really tasty. A lot of good food this weekend. And, you know, it was just really fun. We, we, we hiked about six miles on, on the 4th of July. One thing that was really cool on our drive to our first hike we are coming around the corner, and, you know, these mountain roads are winding, curvy. You don't really see more than 25 feet in front of you a lot because you're, you're turning so much. We come around this curve, and there was a bald eagle munching on a dead armadillo on the side of the road. And then when it sees our cars coming, it flies off right in front of us. How American is that? It was a great start to the fourth. Really good weekend overall. We drove back yesterday, 
And uh, honestly, it was a, it was a good weekend. I'm I'm glad we got that done. But I'm glad even more so to be podcasting in with you, Max, and getting on to our next round, our next matchups, I should say, of, of the second round of the bids and snubs bracket. Yeah, challenge let's get into it. On. Let's start off with Andrew Jones and. You have Billy Wagner, I believe, right, Max? That is correct, sir. And I'll start off with Billy Wagner, who is a seven-time All-Star. And is six all-time in saves with 422. I mentioned the last time I talked to about Billy Wagner, how he's got the highest K uh, to you know K per nine uh, uh, strikeout rate in Major League Baseball history. Minimum 800 innings pitched. I just want to repeat how... Uh, important of a stat that is, he you know he struck out eleven hundred and ninety six of the thirty six hundred total batters he faced. That's literally one third of the batters he faced. He struck out and used that eleven point nine uh, again career strikeout per nine. Uh, Right, I mean to you know pretty much lift his entire uh, career. His 2.31 ERA is the second best in the last hundred years. Sean minimum 750 oh, wow. innings pitched, only to Mariano Rivera, and this is a very important stat too. His 0.998 WHIP is the second best in Major League Baseball history, unto none other to Addie Joss, who you know pitched way back when. But as you know, anytime you can bring up Addie Joss in the conversation, you know you've done something right. In this case, with Wagner, uh, you know the only reason people don't like him, Sean, is because he's only has 903 innings. So if he had 97 more innings, it seems like. All this stuff I mentioned, he would have been first ballot, maybe second time around at the latest. Uh, Last thing I want to mention, and this is something I didn't talk about at all last time, and I think this is something uh, fans and listeners should really um, listen to. Billy Wagner has the highest percentage of, uh, of a pitcher entering a game with nobody out uh, and nobody on base. So what they call a you know a typical clean inning in baseball. So in saves in a clean inning in the ninth inning or extra innings, Billy Wagner has 361. However, more importantly, Sean is his percentages of saves in a, again in a clean inning where again nobody is out and nobody's on base when you enter the game. He has the highest percentage of any reliever at 86%. That's 6% oh, better wow. than than Trevor Hoffman and that's 13% better than Mariano Rivera, believe it or not, who only had a 73% again of, you know, entering a game, you know, with nobody out, nobody on on base. Uh you know, for for Billy Wagner to top that with an 86%, I think that alone should at least get him to the next round. But let's hear your counters for Andrew Jones. All right. Well, Andrew Jones has a really, you know, solid war, career war, I should say, 62.7. Along with that, he was a five-time All-Star and a 10-time Gold Glove winner. So that would put him in the same company as Alkaline, Ichiro Suzuki and Ken Griffey Jr. all having uh, 10 gold gloves as an outfielder. On top of that, he's 40th all-time on the home run list, like we said but before, home runs are not end-all, be-all. I thought this was another interesting stat. He's one of five center fielders to have recorded 400 or more putouts in their career. That puts him 
also in the uh, conversation with four other Hall of Famers already. That'd be Willie Mays, Richie Ashburn, Kirby Puckett, and Max Carey. Oh, wow. I don't know it, if Andrew Jones, though, can you know stack up. He did have the, 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 the decline that kind of killed his, his chances at getting into the Hall. Those last, you know, four or five years where he didn't even play in 100 games for the majority right. of them. I think four of the last five years that he played, he didn't even hit 100, 100 games played that season. Yeah, so, my, with that said, I don't think he can he could take down Billy Wagner here. Andrew Jones had a great career, but I think in this one, Billy Wagner moves on. Yeah, and I think you put it perfectly right there, too. It's the decline at the end of the of their career that I think absolutely killed Jones's there. Because, like, I think he, you know, with without 2,000 hits, I think that hurts his case a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, especially the decline of his career where, you know, Billy Wagner was great at, you know, even at age 38, his last season with the Braves he you know he had 100 strikeouts as a reliever you know the fourth or fifth time he did that in his respective career you know I mean again Wagner was great from day one till literally the very last pitch he threw in the major leagues so for that reason we're going to have Wagner move on let's talk about the flip side of this Sean which is a pair of first basemen here and Don Mattingly and Pete Rose we all know the stigma behind Rose, but let's get into a little bit further of their cases. I'll let you uh, talk about Rose first. Well, we all know the reason why he's not in the Hall is because he's been put on the permanent ineligibility list due to his gambling when he was a player manager with the Reds. We're looking past that. He's the MLB's all-time leader in hits at 42 or 4,256. Games played at 3,562. He's had over 14,000 at-bats, and now it was 14,053 would be the, the record there that he has. He has the most singles out of any MLB player ever at 3,215, and also recorded the most outs at 14,328. He was a 17-time All-Star, yes. and of those 17 appearances, he appeared playing five different positions throughout that time, and he was a three-time World Series champ. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the gambling aside in this one. I think Pete Rose was the definition of Hall of Fame caliber player. I mean, during uh, spring training of his rookie year, he sprinted to first base after being walked. He that that's how that's how he introduced himself to the league. Like I am a I'm Mr. Hustle, hundred percent all the time. Yeah. And I, I I really yeah Charlie Hustle. I I, I really I really think that. Uh, that Pete Rose, if it wasn't for the gambling, he would have been in first ballot, you know, five years after he retired. Well, no, I mean, but, right, that's, that, I mean, that point, I mean, right there, Sean, exactly. It's it's the gambling piece, and for you this round, it doesn't bother you as much. I, it doesn't bother me as much for this round either. I like, again, my thing about Mattingly is I like Mattingly. The problem with him is, you know, 14 seasons, and he retired at the age of 34, and we know it was because of injury and you know he put up a solid 42.4 war in those uh seasons sean he's one of three major league baseball players to hit a home run in eight consecutive games besides dale long and of course ken griffey jr the other two to do that feat and he's one of eight first major league uh first baseman sean to hit 305 and have at least 200 career home runs um 
you know, in his career. Those other seven names we'll get to later, obviously, in the show, Sean, for a little trivia. Uh, you know, you know, you mentioned his accolades last time. You know, he's the MVP in 1985, nine-time Gold Glove Award winner, and we know he has the most Gold Gloves by a Yankees player, which is saying something. Won a batting title, was a six-time All-Star. He's got all the right credentials, but exactly, I think when you look at the longevity of a guy like Rose, who had 17 All-Star appearances like you said did so at five different positions i think that you know exactly for this round at least i would like rose to go on to move on again i think donnie baseball just show, falls a little bit short let me give you one last piece on donnie baseball before we get him eliminated if he was elected sean his 830 OPS would be the fourth lowest among uh first basemen in the hall of fame and the other three guys who have a lower OPS were before the live ball era. They play in the dead ball era, and that'd be Jake Be uh, uh, Beckley, Frank Chance, and of course High Pockets Kelly of all of all players. And if elected, his uh, home run total would be the third lowest of any uh, Hall of Famer. You know, for that position, only again Frank Chance and High Pockets Kelly would have a lower home runs. If you think about the term of uh, first base and Hall of Fame first base, you got to have a little bit more power. And unfortunately for Mattingly, he had just too much decline, kind of like Jones at the end of his career, in my case, at least for this round, to have him move on. But I do think he was a great player. All right. Well, no arguments uh, from either side from here. So moving on is Pete Rose and Billy Wagner. We'll have some more baseball coming up. We're going to take a quick break, though. Taking us out to break, as always, is Jason James with his song, Danny Be Cool.
back to the Sportsaholic Podcast, and that was Jason James with Danny Be Cool. All right, Sean, it was, you know, as much as negativity as I have had, and I still have towards this season that I do ultimately does get uh, cut short just because, again, of players' safety and health. While I was watching WGN Sports here in Chicago, it was nice to see whatever you want to call it, spring training round two or summer camp. I got to see some clips of the Cubs. I got to see some clips of the Sox. And everyone kind of looked happy. And I was at least happy for them in that moment. Again, I still feel for players' safety during this, as I do have a statement from Trout here in a minute or two. But it was at least nice to see some baseball kind of resuming and opening up, and at least just to see the players' expressions, and, you know, I guess, I don't know, some, some of them had that look of relief, I guess I'd say, Sean. Yes, I, look of relief would be uh, would be a, a good way of putting that. I, I too, kind of saw that a lot of players are just happy to be out and doing the, the thing that they love, and that's playing baseball. Right. And, I you know, it's kind of unfortunate they're not really playing any games like spring training usually, so summer camp's a little dialed back due to, to the... Uh, coronavirus no games are being played they're just kind of doing you know tossing back and forth some bp pitchers are getting used to you know they're you know throwing a bunch of pitches and one day i think that that they're about like you know throwing like 80 to 100 pitches you know a session and then uh you know outside of that it's just fingers crossed that uh they can keep this going and get the season going they do plan on announcing the 60 game schedules for each team on the MLB t- Network tonight at five o'clock Central Time, and so we'll know who who the the teams will be faced. I know you're not a big fan of the uh, the division switching kind of, but uh, the the NL and AL Centrals will be playing each other. The AL and NL Wests will be playing each other. The AL and NL Easts will be playing each other. Right. In their rotations, I I'm ex- I'm excited how many crosstown classics we're going to be able to see this year. That'll be interesting. However, like you were saying, you think the season still might get cut short, and I'm starting to think that it's going to, too. Just from opening up and getting the ball moving last week, I think it was Friday when they started summer camp and they started doing testing, 31 players as of yesterday had tested positive for the coronavirus with even a handful of players who haven't even tested positive or anything just opting out for the season. So let's dive into that real quick. Max had a few names that uh, that that tested positive some some key names that he wanted to throw out there and a quote from Mike Trout about that and then we'll get to the uh, the players who are opting out for the season Max. Well, yeah, I mean the players who are sick, you know, right now you look at uh, Freddie Freeman of the Braves, mm-hmm. who's a superstar All Star. Think about Will Smith, who signed a three year, forty million dollar deal with Atlanta. In the offseason to be their closer. DJ LeMahieu, who's won a batting title, is out there. Salvador Perez, the catcher from the Royals, tested positive for COVID. Tommy Pham, uh, he's a pretty solid ball player. Those guys have tested. You were talking exactly. So you have enough people testing positive, which I don't see going forward. And like you were saying too, Sean, enough people 
uh, opting out at this point, including some coaches such as Eric Young Sr., the first base coach for Atlanta, Brad Mills, the bench coach for Cleveland, and notable names on this list such as Wellington Castillo, Ryan Zimmerman, Ian Desmond, David Price, and King Felix, who if you think about King Felix, struggled the last three years with the Mariners, was trying to make his comeback attempt uh, this year, and is actually leading the league in ERA earlier in March in actual uh, spring training in the limited uh, you know spring training we did get to see. But, you know, that essentially ends his uh, comeback bid for 2020 and who knows maybe ends you know a great career there Sean you were alluding to I have something from Mike Trout he's kind of looking at it exactly from from the people who I just mentioned who are sick and like the people who are opting out like he really kind of takes both perspectives here and I think it's a valuable enough quote to present and this is what Trout had to say he said honestly I still don't feel comfortable with the baby coming there's a lot of things on my mind. I'm trying to be the safest and most cautious way to get through the season. It's going to be tough. We all want to play. It's going to come down how safe we are going to be. If there's an outbreak or something that happens these next few weeks, we've got to reconsider and of quote and again this is coming from a three-time mvp in fact the al uh reigning mvp in the face of major league baseball sean uh you know exactly he's saying you know we'll kind of let's you know well exactly we'll take this kind of day by day but if there's a bunch of outbreaks that's probably time to reconsider this season what do you think he's not wrong i mean especially if he has a kid on the way i wouldn't want to have that risk not even you know, to, to risk the health of the child, but, you know, for his pregnant, uh, is it his wife? I'm, I'm sure he's married right his now. His wife, Jess, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, Jess. So, with that in mind, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame him. Do I want the season to be canceled right now? No, I would like to see if they can get through it. But if, like like he was saying, if cases start to explode out, I don't blame, I wouldn't, you know, blame them for, for canceling it. It, it. It's the player's safety, it's their family's safety, and honestly... It's the, the the safety of, you know, everyone involved. So I, be, I believe that if that's the case, then yes. However, I would like to see some baseball happen first. Uh, that might be a little bit selfish of, of me to, to take that stance, but I, I, would, I would like to see if they can get it done. No, and I, again, I understand exactly both sides. People, again, needing baseball just to, exactly, people needing sports in general just to kind of get back to normal COVID has totally made things unnormal unprecedented not in our country either across the entire globe and sports is one of those things that brings people back which is why I really do understand the eager side of people wanting it back I'm just you know I'm a little bit more again on the cautious side where I really don't want a guy like a Mike Trout to get sick spread it to his new wife and potentially kid like to me that could ruin baseball and who knows that might make a guy like that you know, retire early, and I'd like to, you know, preserve guys' careers and not worry about what I think, again, is essentially a silly, you know, 60-game uh, season at this point. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, it's it's all, you know, exactly. Let's see where this kind of goes. I kind of, again, I'm right with Trout. Let's see where this goes the next couple days, next couple weeks. If it's too big of an outbreak, it's probably time to reconsider. If we can push through, it sounds like, exactly, there's enough players willing to push through one last piece of baseball news correct sean 
Yes, yes. The uh, the Field of Dreams game that was scheduled to be played August 13th between the White Sox and Yankees at the Field of Dreams Stadium in Dyersville, Iowa. A lot of questions were surrounding that the game was still going to be played, even with the season and now with the, the readjustment of schedules and everything. The Yankees were, were out. They weren't going to be uh, yeah, one of the... Can't do it. They, they wouldn't be able to travel across the country to play that game. So they had narrowed it down to three other choices, and actually it would have been three choices from the NL Central for the White Sox to play, that between the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Brewers. I, I, I liked all three of those options, really. As a Southern Illinoisan, I guess I can call myself that now since I've lived down here for almost a decade now. Seeing yeah, uh, wow. you know the, the the White Sox be able to, to to play the Cardinals in that kind of a game, it'd be it'd be cool for the region. Uh, obvious reasons for it'd be cool to see the the Sox versus the Cubs, but I can understand why they wouldn't want to do that. Limit it to one market, and same with with Milwaukee. Milwaukee's too close to Chicago. We'd be limiting it to one market, and but it would be cool to see the White Sox and Brewers play that game since they you know were once in the same division and were divisional foes. Right. However, it did come down to the Cardinals getting the bid. So the Cardinals will be playing the White Sox at the Field of Dreams Stadium in Dyersville, August 13th. Thought that was great news. We're going to take a quick break here on the Sportsaholics podcast. On the flip side of this, we're going to go into some discussions on how sports has used their platform to bring about societal change. You're listening to the Sportsaholics podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. There are a few things Max or I like more than tossing back a few beers and watching the game. But don't worry, if you happen to miss the game, we've got your back. Tune in to the Sportsaholic Podcast with myself, Max Zucker, alongside Sean Conway, with new episodes available weekly on SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with new shows and our occasional takes on things happening in the sports world throughout the week. Welcome back to the Sportsaholics podcast. Max, last couple weeks we've actually been talking about NASCAR for the for the first time really ever in Sportsaholics history because we don't really, you know, follow that sport too much. For good uh, a reason. lot of the the th- a lot of the things that we were discussing the last couple weeks is how NASCAR's kind of, you know, taking the uh the fr- the, the the leading steps in combating racism with their platform. They banned the Confederate flag at their, you know, events. And then we had the whole incident with the garage pull-down rope that was tied in the fashion of a noose. And, you know, the the whole, you know, conspiracy, I guess you would say, that would go against that. Obviously, it, 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 it was odd that a noose would be tied into a, a you know, a garage pull rope anyway. And it's just convenient that the, the, that the one African-American driver right. in NASCAR happened to have that garage. But well, that's a that's a different conversation. I just wanted to start this off with what a piece of shit the 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 president of the United States is. Donald Trump tweeted this this morning. Has Bubba Wallace apologized to all those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was just another hoax? That and flag decision has caused lowest ratings ever. He can go fuck himself. That is what a he's. No, oh, what a piece I, I, I want to move on from Donald Trump. He's a piece of shit. Let's just move on from that. Other uh, societal changes that have been brought up in sports. We were talking about how Kylan Hill was going to have a protest and sitting out the season if Mississippi did not change their state flag, and you know that would have been detrimental to Mississippi State's football program. 
The SEC also chimed in saying that they wouldn't have any conference championships until the flag had been addressed. And then the NCAA even put a bigger hammer on saying that they would not have any type of conference championships in the state in states where the Confederate flag had a prominent presence. So Mississippi, you know, fearful for what they, you know, might lose. Also on top of that, realizing that that's kind of probably ignorant, decided to change their state flag. They haven't changed it to a new one yet, but they have removed the Confederate flag from their state flag, essentially retiring the Confederacy from, you know, state legislature pretty much, I, I would say. And outside of that, sports has started to use their platforms other ways well, to bring about change. Well, let me get into this, too, for a second here, Sean, before you go on too long here. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Kylan Hill, you mentioned, he, he's, you know, he was one of those guys exactly to really speak up and use his platform. And when the state uh, flag finally got changed, which was just a week ago, he said on his Twitter, he said, if you met... If you're if you're from Mississippi, you felt this one, and I think that I mean it's a simple, small, one sentence quote, Sean. But I really do think exactly the people on the right side and on the wrong side, because you know that was a pretty big uh, split decision in that state whether to change the flag or not. Because you know I mean Mississippi has obviously you know, a lot. I would say more uh, racist, uh, t- you know, you know protocol. I would say down there so i you know again i think for him to actually step up and actually get the you know be part of this to get that you know to get the flag changed after what this flag's been hung over a hundred i think 126 years they use you know the flag with the you know uh canton of the confederate flag so i do i think that's uh that's you know that's really cool uh you know, before, exactly, but before that, you're about to start getting into a couple of these other sports platforms, obviously, one being the NFL and going on in Washington. Yes, so Nike and FedEx both were discussing dropping their sponsorships with the Washington Redskins unless they changed their name, which has been a hot topic, especially for the last five years, but for a while now, because the term Redskins is... Highly offensive and 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 racist, really, and it's uh, you know it, a lot of the times these you know these these uh, these mascots and these names, even if they're not intending to be, they're viewed as ignorant, really. And uh, the name is you know bringing about change. The, the name for the Redskins is you know the. It's time for it to go, and a lot of people have been, you know, behind this for a while, and now it's very likely, the the reports are saying it's very likely that the team name will be changed by the 2020 season this year. And there's a handful of names that I I wanted to throw out there that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, One was the Hogs, which which pays homage to the offensive line that helped them to their Super Bowl titles back in the 80s and 90s. Sure. Uh, another one would be the Red Hawks um, that I saw. That that was a pretty decent logo, and uh, you know could still you know tie into the, the the Native American theme and everything, but not have the you know the the offensive logo and name to the the organization. Another one I saw was the Washington Monuments oh and Senators, and I thought those were pfft, 
And then so what I really liked team, though was team. <laughs> yeah the 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 one I actually liked the most though would be the Washington Red Tails, which pays homage to the Tuskegee Red Tails, which was the what's a um, a black <laughs> fighter squadron in the Air Force from World War II. And uh, there's I believe there was a movie made uh, made after it recently too. But uh, I did I did like the Red Tails, and, it, and it's kind of a a good direction to take, and you know when you're trying to remarket your 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 brand. No, I hey, I think that's a great way of putting that too, exactly. Because at this point too, like you're going from Red Skins to Red Tails. I actually looked at a couple potential like you know like you know helmet and uniform logo changes. I'm like honestly, it really isn't going to be that drastic and you actually add it by switching your name here to the red tails you exactly you 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 mentioned it these were you know some of the first group of african americans uh to you know fight in an airplane in world war war ii you know essentially they're the first black military aviators in united states uh armed force histories that by giving the red tails or by changing the name to red tails you're giving a name with meaning where if you hear the word redskin you obviously know back in the day was a derogatory term towards native american people sean and now when you hear it to me it's just a very outdated term i've anyone who's ever asked me about the redskins name i go redskins to me just seems very outdated not and i don't mean necessarily racist in today's world just very outdated and that you know it doesn't really fit with the mojo of today's society where you know now we do have all this new societal change and influence especially from the black community you know especially what's been going on in our country right now i just think this would be a really unique opportunity for the redskins to adapt to becoming the red tails pay homage to you know the first you know again the first african-american uh, you know, military, you know, you know, flying military members, you know, of our, you know, of our country. I think it's way more important to do that. And, it's, you know, you're keeping that to a military personnel thing, Sean, while you're in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. I think that's a good way to actually support the military coming from the capital. And again, change what is an outdated and outdusted name into a name that has some, um, you know, meaning and, you know, significance. And again, I really don't think it's going to be that hard for the fans um, of the Redskins to make that change or fans of the NFL. I think the fans of NFL would be very accepting to that change. I agree. And actually the new head coach for the Washington Red, whatever you want to call him at the beginning of the seasons now, was saying that they're discussing He's been on, he's on the horn with with uh, Dan Snyder, and he says that they're they're discussing names. And he said they, they came up with a couple names, two of them he really liked. And if they can get it done in time for the season, it would be awesome. That would, that was Ron Rivera's quote uh, to the Washington Post over the weekend. Uh, one more thing: the Cleveland Indians also are considering a name change for their team with Indian being considered an offensive term as well. Max, why don't you take the lead on that well, one? Well, if you remember back in 2015, they officially got rid of their uh, logo from Chief Wahoo, who if you do look at Chief Wahoo, to me that is a symbol of racism in our 
in oh, our yeah. country, and they went, you know, with the big C for Cleveland. Uh, they've been known, Sean, as the Indians since 1915. Prior to that, they were known as the Lakeshores, Bluebirds, Broncos, or the Naps. Um, Terry Francona, the current manager of the Indians, had this to say. He said, it's time to move forward. That simple. That's how he put it. It's time to move forward. That's all he said about, you know, changing the name from Indians is that it's time to move forward. I think that it is too, Sean. Exactly same thing with the Redskins. You can take, you know, exactly. You already got rid of Chief Wahoo, which is a very offensive uh, figurine in American sports history. You could replace him and get, you know... My thought here is, Sean, this, I know this sounds crazy, but what about calling them the Cleveland Rockstars? Because, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's a lot of Rock and Roll history in uh, Cleveland itself. It's a name that's not offensive. You know how Cleveland has uh, one of their jerseys, uh, or at least maybe uh, as of a couple years ago, I think they might have retired in the last three. But either ways, if you remember that uh, big one with the Cleveland on the jersey, you know, spelled out Cleveland with the big C. I thought you could drop, like, a guitar underneath it. Like, you know, I'm just coming up with a couple of little spitball ideas, but I do. I think, like, the Cleveland Rockstars or something would be, I don't know, not necessarily the most flashy of names, but a name that has meaning to the city as well as, you know, you're taking away from, you know, you're talking about, you know, again, all the negative and all the angst that has afflicted Native American people in our country. All right, rock stars. That'd be that'd be interesting. I'm not sure if that'd be the one I would go with because it kind of sounds like a like a uh, independent yeah, baseball. Yeah, that team, was the only it? problem I had with it. I just you know I had to come up with something kind of spur of the moment. I'm like, well, the Cleveland Rock Stars. You could drop the big C down and make that into like a Jimi Hendrix style guitar or something like that. Look cool. Yeah, the name itself, you're right, is a little bit minor leagueish, but. You know, at least it's a name that's not offensive, like Indians, which just you know, point out, bling, you know, you know, shows at a group of people, which you know, I, you know, in today's world in twenty twenty is something that we must get away from. I agree. I, I reading the um, the article on the the Redskins name change. There was a uh, Native American advocate. I can't I can't find his name on this article, but he would he was saying that you know, they are not. A mascot. They are not a cartoon, so they should not be. You know, a team should not be named after that in, in a weird, offensive way like that. And it, and it, especially if it's not even showing honor to them. I mean, I, I right. sometimes I, I wonder the same about with the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. I know they have uh, they have the permission granted from the tribe that Chief Blackhawk was uh, Chief Blackhawk was from. But it's the, the the logo itself can be considered, you know, somewhat offensive to to people as well, and you just kind of wonder, you know, uh, and it I, I, I get it, I, I I understand, you know, with that they don't want to be represented like that. No, exactly, it's not fair. And actually, one last thing on the Redskins, and let's close off on this break, Sean. Uh, if they don't change their name, it looks like about they're going to lose about forty percent of their uh, minority owners here, as Robert uh, Rothman, Dwight Char, and Friedrich uh, Frederick Smith, who again, all, all three of those guys are minority owners. They own forty percent of the team, and they have already hired Sean Conway. Uh, in a banking firm 
to search for new buyers or owners of the Redskins if this does not change. That was after a a negative conversation, believe it or not, with, again, Dan Snyder, who, in my opinion, is probably in the top two or three worst owners in the National Football League, hasn't done anything statistically with Washington, and has been pretty much been kind of an ignorant PRIC, you get the rest. Uh, you know, throughout his tenure in Washington as well. So it's no surprising that these minority owners are looking for change and that they're, you know, again, willing to take out a whole 40% stake of the team's name to prove that, to prove that method. Yeah, it's incredible. Anyway, let's take another quick break here on the Sportsaholics podcast. On the flip side of this, Max will have some trivia. I'll have a nice little drink of the weekend, some more. Stuff from Fight Corner and more. You're listening to Sports Hogs Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. We here on the Sportsaholic Podcast recognize those who have unique disabilities. One fun and fantastic way to showcase those talents is by joining your local Special Olympics squad. Through Special Olympics, you will learn to be part of a team, add additional skill sets, learn the true definition of sportsmanship, and most importantly, have some fun. So become an athlete, become a coach, become a volunteer, be part of Special Olympics. And let's begin this final lap here on the Sportsaholic Podcast as we end our day here as it's about 1 o'clock Central Time here in the good old uh, land of Chicago. Sean, let's get this rolling, though, with some trivia. Don Mattingly, one of the guys who is not moving on in our bids and snub matchups, I mentioned is one of eight MLB first baseman, Sean, to have at least a 305 batting average and have 200 home runs, uh, or more in their career. So can you name me the other seven guys, or seven first basemen, to hit 305 at least and have 200 career home runs? Guy, I'm sure you're ready to, to pounce on the list with a guy like Frank Thomas. A guy like Frank Thomas would not qualify as he had too many um, games as a DH, did not have enough uh, you know, games as a true uh first baseman to qualify same for a guy like Miguel Cabrera if he you know he started as a right fielder moved to third base before actually moving to first base where I know he played a full you know two or three seasons at first uh, but you know we're looking for you know the list is full-time first baseman full-time thing that's my clue for you full-time first baseman again at least hitting 305 and 200 home runs hmm Gosh, this is this is tough. I'm trying to rack my brain. Well, I'll tell you what. There's one active guy. One active guy. 300 bat 305 batting average and again, 200 or more home runs as a first baseman. This is only first baseman. Jeez, I'm I'm racking my brain. Um, I know this is a tougher one. When I played this last night, Sean, I got four of the seven names on this list. I did not get three of these names. 
So, active one. The first one, that one's got to be Joey Votto. Yeah, it is, because uh, Votto, again, over, I think he's a 311. You could have guessed Albert Pujols here, which is what I thought you would do, but Pujols, though, might have the home runs, but believe it or not, Pujols does not have a 305 batting average. His batting average sits at a current even 300, so I was very, I got very mad, because I thought for sure I had that one right last night when I played. But no, you're right. It would be Joey Votto. He'd be the active guy. Uh, another clue is this guy's on one side of our uh, of our bracket currently, on the bid side. Huh. On the bid side. I gotta look at the bracket then. Let's see. He'd be the most recent. Then the rest of these guys are all old, older guys. I would think you would get at least one, if not two. Of those older guys. Huh. Not sure. Really. I'm really not sure. Um. Damn, you stumped me this week, man. Just give me the answers. Alright, I got you this week. Man, I did stump Sean Conway this week. Uh, the guy on our on our bid side that I'm looking for was Todd Helton. Uh, the other two guys oh. who I thought you would probably get off the list right off the bat would be Lou Gehrig and Jimmy Fox, two great Hall of Famers. Okay. The other three guys are in the Hall of Fame, um, lesser-known guys, and these guys I just didn't think about it myself, not growing up in the 30s and 40s and 50s when these guys played. That would be Johnny Mize, Hank Greenberg, and Jim Bottingly. Um, however, though, if Jim Bottingly... Yeah, I don't even in, know any of those names. Yeah, as I say, however, though, Jim Bottingly is in the Hall, Hall of Fame, which I, I forget if he is or isn't. I have to relook. But if he's in the Hall of Fame, then probably Mattingly should be there as well but either way those are the only guys again eight guys to have hit at least 305 in their career and have 200 home runs as a first baseman sean conway what are you drinking on i think it was something from the land of the ozarks correct yes so it wasn't a, it wasn't a technically a local beer it was an ozark beer but this came from the springfield side of the ozarks or the missouri side to say springfield missouri from the Mother's Brewing Company in Springfield, Missouri, like I was saying, the it's called the Great Cobra Scare of Fifty Three Ozarks Style Ale. Hmm. So obviously the, the the name is interesting. I'll get to the backstory there, but uh, let me give this bad boy a crack. Popped it open. Nice little sound pop there. And it's 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 interesting. It's like a blonde with a little bit of a bite to it. Okay. So. It's like a, 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 a refreshing, crispy beer, but almost kind of has a little bitter end to it. Almost kind of like a pale, pale ale, kind of. But what was interesting, I, I got this because it was that Ozark-style ale, and obviously I want to drink something Ozarky when I'm in the Ozarks. But yes. The Great Sco yes. Cobra Scare of 53. This is an interesting story, so hold on to your butts. Back in 1953, Springfield, Missouri and their residents lived in a state of fear because of a outbreak, I guess you could say of cobras. People were spotting cobras and being attacked by cobras left and right during, uh, during that summer. And it turned out, uh, or the rumor is nothing ever, no, no, uh, charges or anything ever came of it. But they were saying that this, Guy who owned a, an exotic wildlife store or farm or zoo or whatever 
was seen running around town with a bag in his hand, dropping snakes. So, people were running around in fear. The government was, uh, the local government was, uh, you know, insisting people stay home, you know, stay safe, stay socially distant from the cobras, (laughs) if you will. Uh, But I thought the name was pretty interesting. It's got a... Got an, it looks like a little article actually on it. I just realized that a small it looks like excuse me a small article from the uh, from a newspaper clipping from back then on there along with uh, with cobras. People like I mean people were scared. People were running walking around with their guns cocked and loaded, ready to go shoot some cobras in the head. People were running around with uh, with pitchforks to try to stab and stuff uh, the 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 cobras and everything. People were arming themselves. That's how afraid they were. There's a guy on riding on top of a cobra. It looks like he's got reins on this cobra. And he's got a pitchfork while climbing the back of this cobra's head. Oh, wow. Uh, outside of that, it was... It, it's 4.8% alcohol. So, it's, you know, it's a lighter one. They recommend trying it with cobra meat, which I'm just going to have to take their word for it. I don't really want to try cobra at all. Yeah, I've only had rattlesnake. <laughs> And uh, outside of that, it's a good beer. Nice, nice. Yeah, I love I love a beer that kind of has like that like a, like an actual like background story too. Even if like the beer isn't good, which in this case it sounds like it's actually a pretty good beer. Like I can at least appreciate like the background stories like on these you know cans. I've always found it to be uh, quite interesting, Sean. Um, real quick. What we missed this week, uh, the NHL and the NHLPA, Sean, have finalized the protocols for the season to resume this summer in the two hub cities, which will be Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, as NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly has signed off on this, the NHL is targeting a July 13th start date for training camps. And if all goes according to plan, the teams will travel to the hub cities on the 25th or 26th of July. And the games will be starting here in less than a month on August 1st. The 2014 uh, tournament, Sean, would conclude with the Stanley Cup final in Edmonton. And that would likely occur in the early parts of October. Colin Kaepernick back in the news. Uh, he will be featured in an exclusive docu-series produced by ESPN Films uh, as he signed on again with uh, Walt, the Walt Disney Company. The deal between Kaepernick's production and the uh, and Disney was announced just uh, earlier today. The partnership will focus on, on telling scripted and unscripted stories that explore race, social injustice, and the quest for equality. I am looking very much forward to because I do think if there's one person who kind of started this revelation, it's Kaepernick. I can't wait to see what you know uh, Disney and ESPN films will produce. I think that will be uh, quite the docu-series in the upcoming future. One last piece of news. This is some nugget news here, Sean, before we move on to Fight Corner. Joey Chestnut, the reigning uh, hot dog eating champion. <laughs> yeah, guess what? He won his 13th title at the Nathan's 
famous hot dog eating contest. He set the world record that he already owned. And he did this this time. He ate 10 hot dogs, Sean. Or, I'm sorry, uh, 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes, Sean. I can't believe that. Ugh. You know me with my new diverticulitis. If I had one hot dog, I'd be in the hospital. So I couldn't imagine. Couldn't imagine, right, stuffing 75 <laughs> of those fuckers down your stomach. But, yeah, good luck to, uh, best of luck to Joey uh, Chestnut in the future. And his, uh, you know, in his medical bills in the future but yeah 13th victory for the Nathan for the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest eating again 75 and 10 minutes setting the new world record for Mr. Chestnut had to throw that one in there Sean but let's get to fight corner shall we all right and fight corner we got UFC 251 this coming weekend and it's gonna be the first set of fights to be hosted on Dana White's fight island the island that he bought a couple months ago to try to combat the coronavirus shutdowns and everything. Well, he finally has his island up and running. And fights will be happening this weekend. Oh, cool. The main event was supposed to be Kamaru Usman taking on Gilbert Burns. But he backed out of the fight. I, I didn't put down in my notes if it was for medical reasons or if, or if it was just other reasons that he backed out. But they have signed quite a tasty replacement to take on Usman this weekend, and that is none other than the BMF title holder, Jorge Masvidal himself. Oh, wow. Game bred. So this is this is the main event everyone wants to see, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Especially since Masvidal, you know, a few weeks ago we talked about how he was requesting a release from his contract, and Dana White's like, well, he has like seven or eight fights left on his contract. I'm, you know, that, that's just what it is. Well. On top of getting this fight this weekend, Masvidal this morning finalized a deal for several more fights in the UFC. I'm, I'm guessing he was given a little bit more respect in these contract negotiations. No specifics were really set in aside from it being, you know, I think it was a multi-fight contract that was signed. So we have that to look forward to this weekend. I might even buy that pay-per-view instead of trying to uh, find an illegal stream because that... That would be a fun one to watch. Usman and Masvidal have been going back and forth on social media for uh, seven, eight months now. Since the BMF fight, Masvidal has been wanting Usman, been calling out Usman. I'm looking forward to this. Hey, I might even watch. I'm not even a fight guy, but like you said, because it's on that private island. Now, that to me does have a little bit of a lure that that private island actually got set up just to host some of these fights. Not again that I'm ever going to be a big fight guy, Sean. But I will say, I do have actually a little bit of a lure. I just want to actually see, like, what the fight, like, on an island would actually be like. So, yes, I actually might I actually might stay in tune for this one. But what do we got for next week? All right, next week we've got the next set of matchups in the bids and snubs bracket. we got Joe Meyer and Todd Helton on the bid side. Keith Hernandez and Vita Blue Ooh. on the snub side. Outside of that, we'll talk about, you know, maybe the Redskins will have a, a new name that we can talk about next week. Or, you well, know, I don't want to speculate yeah. if we be moving that quick. But, they'll, they're, you know, maybe there'll be some, you know, some change to that tune. Along with that, we'll have uh, officially have the schedules by 5 o'clock Central Time tonight. And we'll, you know, we're just inching closer and closer to the start of the 60-game season. 
And, you know, we'll have more sports news. Whatever comes up, we'll talk about it next week. Until then, I'm going to have this last Cobra scare. Probably won't be able to find any more in Illinois, but I have plenty of Miller Lights to wash it down with. <laughs> with that, you'll find, uh, find a bundleful in any of the United States as you well know, Sean. But, no, you enjoy those beers. Jason James, thanks again for the music. To the fans and listeners of the show, we could not do this without you. So much kudos as always and again you know during these trying times you know we do look for changes i do hope to see the reds uh the redskins and the indians name change you know exactly these are outdated terms we need to start making better protocols i really do feel sean that america you know since the you know since since these discussions have really started formulating over the last month i do see some changes and i hope that we continue to make those drastic changes uh, you know, over the next months and years uh, to come to really, again, set up uh, everyone equally for an equal uh, uh, run in this country that everyone is entitled to. Until next week, Sean, exactly, we'll talk some more sports. Signing off for Mr. Conway, I'm Max Zucker, and uh, we'll see you next week here on the Sports Talk Podcast. Adios. Adios.